Hello, I'm Stevie Nicks and welcome to On The Record, the podcast where we get to learn a little bit more about our favourite artists from someone who should know, the artists themselves. Today we're going to hear from one of the most misunderstood and marginalised artists of our time, Kanye West, or Ye as he now calls himself. But here's the thing, is he misunderstood? He says he is. He says we don't understand what he means when he says slavery is a choice, or white lives matter, or when he wears the red MAGA hat. But saying that, and wearing that hat, implies naivety from him on an unfathomable scale. Can he truly be that naive? Can he truly not comprehend the backlash that will inevitably come from those statements and that hat? It's difficult to believe, and you'll hear him today try to explain his way through it. The thing is, if he isn't misunderstood, if he's lying to us, then it means we've been gamed. It means he knew exactly what he was saying and doing, and he was being deliberately, and some would say foolishly, provocative. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. This theory is much easier to comprehend, which is why it's pretty much accepted wisdom but that doesn't mean it's right. Anyway, the point is, no matter what West's intentions are when he says and does these things, the end result is his art, particularly his music, gets overshadowed, lost even. And that's what I'm going to try to redress today. I want to steer away from the noise and drill down into Kanye West the man and musician. And that's no easy feat, because another of West's characteristics is he almost always gives an incomprehensible answer to even the most basic questions. People point to his mental health issues when he does it now, but listening back to his old interviews, and you'll hear him today on the record 20 years ago, even then his answers were long-winded and rambling and, yes, sometimes difficult to understand. That's just yay. That's the man. It's not a recent affliction brought on by either too much medication or too little. It's just how his brain works. And I'll get to that in a minute. But first I want to tell you what you'll hear today. Today you'll hear Kanye West go on the record about his parents. And interestingly, it's his father who he speaks mostly about, not Donda. Jay-Z, Obama, mental health and his contradictions but mostly we're going to explore what goes on in that head of his. As I said, I want to dial down the shrill he creates and bring in some studious silence. Let's look at this man objectively. Or rather, let's hear from him and listen. Really listen. And in doing so, let's see if we can understand him better than we do now. I can't promise you will, but I can promise you might. Omari West was born in Atlanta, Georgia on June 8, 1977 to parents Ray and Donda. His parents divorced when he was just three and he and his mother moved to Chicago. Now despite the fact that Kanye was raised by his mother, his father Ray had a profound influence on his son. A former Black Panther, Ray was one of the first black photojournalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He later became a Christian counsellor and, in 2006, opened the Goodwater store and cafe in Maryland with money from his son. Donda was a professor of English at Clark Atlanta University and the chair of the English department at Chicago State University before retiring to serve as Ye's manager. West demonstrated an affinity for the arts at an early age. He began writing poetry when he was just five, and he showed a passion for drawing and music by the time he was in third grade. It's round about now that he starts rapping, and by the seventh grade, he begins writing songs and sells them. Here's West in 2002, talking about this period. Man, I gotta say, like, I was rapping since third grade. I used to listen to Run DMC and LL and be in the crib and sneaking and listen to the rap with the bad words and Easy e and... Beastie Boys and all that, 
And then I remember they brought out Yamaha's and Casio keyboards. It was real in style. But the thing is, I had like a urge to really create, but I never wanted to really learn how to play music like that. So it was like that was stagnating my growth because my mother was always like, well, if you can't play, you don't need the type of keyboard that can sequence and all that type of shit. So um, once I was like in seventh grade, I was like really into drawing and I wanted to like design video games. So I got this Amiga computer that, which is a really good price for all that it did. It was, um, $500 and it had like all type of graphic program and everything. Yeah. So when us, those keyboards came out, oh, I had my computer and I was trying to draw on it. And then I got a sound program. Like somebody bootlegged the copy of the disc with me or the sound program. I found myself just wanting to work on that all the time. Then I found myself like running home from school because I have an idea, like looking at the clock, looking at 2.30, like, yo, man, I want to get this beat down. But I didn't even know anything about sampling. And I was 14 years old. I went to Chuck Levin's out in uh, Maryland, and they told me, yo, uh, people... Yo, that do the type of music you do, they sample. I had no idea. I was just be trying to, I didn't know why my stuff didn't sound exactly like the stuff on the radio. Then, but the sampler was like, yo, $2,000. And for somebody that's 14 years old, only getting an allowance, that was like $8 million. My father's like, yo, maybe you can save your allowance. I had like $20 a week. Like, how am I gonna save up for $2,000? So I'm just working with that. Then I found out you can get like a little 8-bit sample for the computer. So I got that. And of course, the first thing I wanted to sample was James Brown. So I think back then I used to try to make beats like full force. And, um, you know, in the middle of a song, you had to have a go where you could like really start doing your running man real, real, real hard too. So, um, back, uh, I started making beats and my beats started getting nice. And then my mother came home one day and she's like, yo, you ever heard of Common Sense? I was like, yeah, I heard Common Sense. He got a song called Take It Easy on the radio right now. He cold, right? He's like, well, I know. Um, a friend of mine said her son produces for him. I was like, oh, word. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, she's like, yeah, I'll give you his number. His name is Dion. His rap name is like Immense Mountain, Immense Something. Uh, his name was Immense Slope back then. It was a really bad name. We had real bad names. I'm not even going to go into all the bad names I had. So now I went over his crib. And I remember walking in there, it's like walking in Def Jam now, like walking into Kevin's office or something. Like, that's the closest you could possibly get to the industry because they actually had something that you heard on the radio and it was dope, you know what I'm saying? So I was over there, I'm playing my beats. I had the fast beats, like what I was telling you before, and Common came in, like, she didn't ask why I want some fast beats. I think that around that time, he still wanted to rap, like, and do the Big Daddy Kane stuff, but he didn't even realize the style that they was doing is the style that we do today. Like he, they was using the intimate friends and the singing, the doom, 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 ooh, 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 and the speeding up the singing. I remember Dion was like, "Yo, I give you some tips on sampling." He had an SP twelve hundred. I never seen none of the real equipment that like at that time. Who was hot? Like Pete Rock, Lost Professor, beating us, no ID, and I never even fathomed. My, I, I I hadn't even stepped into a guitar center like that at that point. So he showed me how to sample records. He said, "What you do to save on sample time is you speed them up." Thus is the style that we're using that everybody is using right now with the sped up samples. So I used to be sweating. I mean, bugging them. I'm trying to word myself with the least amount of profanity as possible. Bugging them to death. And, you know, he changed his numbers about a hundred times with me. But I always figured out how to get him. I'd be knocking on his window while he with his girl. So then I had to go out on my own at that point. He taught me a lot, but I had to take a, a point myself to just listen to the music that was out there and try to get my music as good as that. But all along, I'm always rapping. I had groups and I was always the weakest rapper out of the people in the group. You know what I'm saying? It would always be like somebody who really had it, but they just didn't have a passion for it. But I had to, every night I was working, every night I just, like, it wasn't nothing that was going to stop me. Like, people look up and they're like, yo, I just heard of Kanye. Like, I've been doing this since really, like, yo, telling my teachers, like, man, I, I might not even have to turn in my homework this year because I'm going to be signed this year. You know what I'm saying? Back in seventh grade. I mean, I told my gym teacher freshman year, like, man, I ain't coming to gym class no more. I'm going to be signed this year. She's going to come to me senior year, like, yo, what's up with that record deal? And here he is in 2015. When I was growing up, I wanted to make video games. My mom got this Amiga computer when I was in seventh grade and it had 4,096 colors. I found myself 
running home to use this sound program that allowed me to place a note, it would stay, place another note, it would stay, place another note, it would stay, and that's how I learned how to produce in seventh grade. And I was just really making the music to make video games. They just let me dream. They supported me. They pushed me. They didn't set me up to be inside of a, a box. When he's 13, he writes a rap song called Green Eggs and Ham and persuades his mother to pay for time in a recording studio. He meets DJ producer No ID and they quickly form a close friendship. No ID becomes West Mentor and it was from him that Kanye learns how to sample and program beats after he receives his first sampler at the age of 15. Here's West again in 2002 talking about this period of his life. I, I mean, I played my dudes, man. I was 14 years old, carrying, uh, trying to do beat tapes. I remember back in grammar school, we used to have rap groups, and I had to write the raps for all the rap groups. Um, I remember this one time um, we was trying to do a talent show. This is where I learned, pick your audience, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to figure out who you were actually rapping to because I had my music teacher. It was my favorite teacher in the world, Miss Morgan. And you know what I'm saying? She was like, it's kind of like the Lane Bryant size or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we got up there and we, we think we finna perform Fat Girls Are Back for the talent show. So, of course, we didn't make it. And at that point, I was like, um, you know what I'm saying? Figure out who you rapping to. And here he is talking about how much he loved hip hop. And I want you to picture a young Kanye with an afro. When I was trying to get on, I mean, one time I got so into hip hop that I had an afro with no lining. Um, I had like one of them Gap Life Preserver vests. I had some Reeboks with fat laces. And I even had an old Reeboks because in Chicago, we didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? It was hard to find them. I could find the fat laces, but I couldn't find like the official, like the old Pumas or whatever. So I was just trying to just really be and live hip hop. Then I figured out like, man. I ain't really getting no girls with this. This is not really working for me, right? So I think that is the difference of, like, you go to hip-hop parties in Chicago, and when nobody be dancing with no girls, there'd be a dude doing a helicopter finna kick some girls in the head. They'd get mad if some girls start dancing or something. That's when I figured out, like, yo, maybe whatever definition that everybody here got of hip-hop, maybe that's not what hip-hop is for me. I love the music. So then everybody try to separate now and say that you're not hip-hop because you go out and buy some jewelry. No, having jewelry is not a basis of hip-hop. Look at Rakim, you know what I'm saying? Look at Run DMC. You trying to tell me they not hip-hop? It's a, okay, you trying to tell me because most deaf and quality don't buy jewelry, that they are more hip-hop than Jay-Z or what's quote-unquote real hip-hop? I feel like my album, the perspective that I'm going to speak from, I feel like I'm going to bridge the gap. I'm going to be one of the people that help bridge the gap with hip-hop. After graduating from high school, West receives a scholarship to attend Chicago's American Academy of Art in 1997, and he begins taking painting classes. Shortly after, though, he transfers to Chicago State University to study English. He soon realised that his busy class schedule isn't good for his musical ambitions, so at 20, he drops out. Uh. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. Fresh, Mr. By himself, he's so impressed. I mean, damn, did you even see the test? You got D's, motherfucker D's. Rosie Perez, and yes, barely passed. Any and every class, looking at every ass. Cheated on every test, I guess. This is my dissertation. Homie, this shit is basic. Welcome to graduation. Good morning. Donda is none too impressed. But what can she do? And she later said, quote, It was drummed into my head that college is the ticket to a good life, but some career goals don't require college. For Kanye to make an album called College Dropout, it was more about having the guts to embrace who you are, rather than following the path that society has carved out for you, end quote. Here's West speaking about his parents in 2013. 
Like my father was a Black Panther. My father was a journalist, a paparazzi, uh, uh, a photojournalist. He was a paparazzi. We had a dark room in our house. Like seven years ago, he lived at a homeless shelter. Not because he was homeless, because he wanted to help the ex-drug addicts. He wanted to get that close. He started a foundation called Good Water and moved to the Dominican Republic to help right there, to help with the prostitution, to help with the extortion, mm -hmm. to help right there. He stays in the Dominican Republic right now. My mom was the first black female chair of the English department. There is no award show. There's no amount of billboards. There's nothing that, that can define me or make me pass what my parents made me. And that's exactly who I am. And here he is talking to Tucker Carlson in that infamous interview last year about his father. One of his many infamous interviews, it has to be said. Compress him. Like, my dad is the most brilliant person that I know. And we actually have a strained relationship because I was taken from him. Because my mom was an actress, so she was a liberal. And my dad would see certain things and say, you know, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. And the people got around my mom and pulled her away, much like my dad grew up as a military brat and his family moved around, but they were based mostly in Delaware. And at the time, if, if he wasn't, if they weren't the only black family, they were one of the few. And he would be discriminated against because he was black. So by the time he got into college, he would be discriminated against. He went to a black college. He would be discriminated against because they said he talked too white. Yes. And then he played the kick drum in the band. So when he would go to the club and the music was playing, where would he clap his hands? Where the kick drum is. Yeah. So it was the opposite of where everyone else right, exactly. was clapping their hands. <laughs> and uh, this is the most elegant and tasteful person that I know. West starts producing full-time, creating beats for local artists and develops a style that involves speeding up vocal samples from classic soul records, a style he still uses today. His first official production credit comes at the age of 19 when he produces eight tracks on Down to Earth, the 1996 debut album of a Chicago rapper named Grave. Is the title track. From here, things get a little convoluted and not really that important to the narrative. Suffice to say, he keeps producing and his reputation grows. In 2000, aged 27, he gets his big break when he starts producing artists on Rockefeller. One of his clients is Jay-Z, and West takes the reins on 2001's The Blueprint, now regarded as one of hip-hop's greatest albums. West is soon an in-demand producer, but his ambitions lie on the other side of the console. He doesn't want to be a producer, he wants to be a rapper. But producers don't become rappers, it's just not the done thing. But the world was about to learn that West doesn't play by the rule book. And when he wants something, he always, well, almost always, ends up getting it. Here he is talking about being pigeonholed as a producer in 2002. And you have to keep in mind, in 2002, he was still a nobody. His first album, The College Dropout, was still two years away. I was always rapping. And it just so happened that really, really... Phenomenal rappers got to rap on my beats before I got a chance to. So that pushed me into the classification of a producer. But I'm a rapper from the heart. Like, I got something to say, you know what I'm saying? You can't fight every battle and win the war. Sometimes you have to retreat and then come back. You know what I'm saying? I've already taken a, a loss. Like, I'm not selling as many beats as I used to sell because I'm sitting up here 
trying to think of raps and stuff. I mean, but I got to follow my heart, man. Everybody look at it and say, yo, man, he crazy, man. He trying to rap, man. What's wrong? He's stupid. He's trying to rap. Yo, I, I, can't let, I can't react to that, but I'm thinking of how people just told me I was stupid for trying to rap. And now, now, now I'm up here on MTV, you here first. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it feels good. And here he is in 2013 promoting Yeezus and saying, I always thought I could do anything. I always felt like I could do anything. Mm. That's the main thing people are controlled by. Thoughts, their perception of themselves. They're slowed down by their perception of themselves. If you're taught you can't do anything, you won't do anything. Mm. I was taught I could do everything. <laughs> And I'm Kanye West at age 36. <laughs> so just watch the next 10 years. West struggles to get a record deal, however, something that forms the centerpiece of Cootie's brilliant documentary, Genius. Almost every major label ignores him, but Rockefeller decides to sign him because they don't want to lose him as a producer. In 2004, West's debut album, The College Dropout, drops to generally favourable reviews. In other words, it wasn't the flop that everyone was expecting. Not for the last time, West has been underestimated and proved the naysayers wrong. Here he is in 2002 again. I feel like everything that anybody ever said in life would be a disadvantage to me, I'm going to make it my advantage. When I was playing basketball, everybody said I was too short. I'm killing them with the scoops. You know what I'm saying? Everybody says, you can't rap because you're a producer. Okay. Oh, I didn't hear that beat. Oh, yeah, I know. I produced it. <laughs> I just rapped on it before you got a chance to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to use everything that everybody says that I can't do, or, and I'm going to flip it to the positive. Like, I look at everything as a glass half full and half empty. And here he is in 2013, talking about why hip-hop is important. It feels, like, amazing when you can walk into these spaces and, you know, live inside of that creative zone when people just keep it you know, to that level of purity. Because, you know, the music can mean, can mean everything, and it is everything, and, like, how close you get to those samples and the nuances and the way you chop it up and the people's appreciation for it is an amazing art form and a culture, man. It's like, this shit, hip-hop is just as important as Basquiat and Warhol, you know. It's, in, in a way, it seems like it's been made less important because of the importance that it's had to commercial, you know, to commerciality or commercial products or something, you know. He reasoned 2002 saying that he chose rap music because it was the best way for him to express himself. I was just always trying to figure out a way for me to be able to express myself. And rap was the best way to express what was on your mind. Me and my father sit up and talk about a lot of issues that need to be brought up. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people that have that instilled in them, don't know how to word it in a way where the public can accept it. So now that I got this stamp on me, I got the back of the most deaf, Kwali, Jay-Z. I got every premier artist backing me saying, dog, listen to what he's saying. I feel like I just got a really good opportunity. And I'm not, I'm not finna let them down. I'm definitely not finna let my city down because Chicago right now, it's like we got a lot of good artists that are just waiting for somebody to just break through so everybody else could just, you know, walk through the door at that point. I am a god. I am a god. Expressing himself. This is something that West has always done, and as I said at the start of this episode, it is something that he needs to do. It's an innate part of his character. But it is also something that lands him in hot water, time and time again. 
Here he is in 2002, talking about his need to express himself and also his contradictions, something that I'll expand on in a minute. I'm going to be one of the people that helped bridge the gap with hip-hop because I'm going to talk from the perspective of just being honest. Like, yo, um, I always said if I rap, I say something significant, but now I'm talking about money, hoes, and rims again. Like, I want to do what's right, you know what I'm saying? But I'm a human being. Like, okay, I got songs like Jesus Walks With Me, but then I got songs that's like, I need to know. He's down to do whatever, down to get it jumping, down to get topless. Baby, I need to know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a man, I'm a human being. People feel like an artist, they be like, yo, if you're an artist, um, you can only rap about this one subject. You have to stand for this specifically. I'm going to stand for everything I've seen in my life. And I'm going to try to express that to y'all the best I can. And I feel like I'm creative enough that I'm going to make it work. You know what I'm saying? I know nobody has ever stood up and said, yo, man, let me actually show you that it's more than one side to me. I don't know if I really believe in that Gemini stuff and all the constellations and all that. Like, I, I really believe in God. Like, But I know that it's more than one side to me. West, like many people, is full of contradictions. A devout Christian who freely raps in a misogynistic manner. He will tell one interviewer he's not into politics, then announce he's thinking of running for president. Don't believe me? Well, take a listen to this. This is 2018. I'm not into politics either. You are? No, not at all. No? Yeah, it's just not. Politics are a hobby for some people. Like watching sports, watching politicians, watching the news, talking about it. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't get into it. I like looking at clothes and art and movies like and making music. Here he is three years earlier, labeling himself as a hypocrite. Son? People say that, right? Son? Yes, I am. 100%. I'm a human being. I'm super hypocritical. I can feel something one time yeah. and completely a different way another time. I do it in the design office. I do it in the studio. I'm super hypocrite. I really love this. I do it when I get dressed. I love this. I hate this. As he said in another interview that year, quote, there will be flaws in what I'm saying. And he's right about that. But it's good for you to see, you know, there'll be mistakes, there'll be flaws in the way I communicate today because we're human beings, we're flawed. I'm not media trained, I'm not studied in that, I'm not trying to say the right thing. I'm just saying exactly what I feel out of, uh, out of uh, love. And in 2019, he admitted that he loved the sound of his own voice, as a lot of people in his orbit do. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I quite enjoy the sound of my own voice. And apparently by the streams, billions of other people do also. But that's not why I asked. Is it as fun? No, I just wanted to do that sound by <laughs> West has been outspoken from the time he first went on the record. Although he might call it inspoken in so much as all he was doing was expressing his internal thoughts. And as early as 2004, the year his first album came out, he was already experiencing a backlash and was a little shaken by the experience. I wish someone had mentored me, he says, about being interviewed. Oh, nothing could prepare you. I guess if someone had sat down and mentored me or something before I came out, but no one really sat me down. So that's the reason why I went to a lot of interviews and I accidentally said how I really feel about stuff. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. You can do so that here. I, I didn't know you're supposed to like speak from the, you weren't supposed to speak from the heart when you got an interview. So I made that mistake and I actually spoke from the heart. And then a lot of people say, he, he seems kind of cocky. He seems kind of arrogant because I'll be mad because so many people diss me. And then like I, I sold all these records. So I was just like a sore winner. So, you know, I just apologize to everybody for, you know, keeping it so real. Waking up on your sofa when I park my Range Rover. Slightly scratch your Corolla. Okay, I smash your Corolla. I'm hanging on a hangover. Five years we've been over. Ask me why I came over. One more hit and I can own ya. One more fuck and I can own ya. One cold night in October. Pussy had me floating. Like deep pock chopper, pussy had me dead. Might call two pock over. Yeezy's all on your sofa. These the red October. 
us. Still ain't learning no manners. You love me when I ain't sober. You love me when I'm hungover. Even when I blow doja. Then the auntie came over. Skinny bitch with no shoulders. Telling you that I'm bogus. Bitch, you don't even know us. Baby girl, he's a loner. Baby girl, he's a loner. Late night organ donor. After that, he disown ya. After that, it's just hopeless. Soulmates become soulless. When it's over, it's over. And bitch, I'm back out my coma. This is probably as good a time as any to talk about some of West's most notorious acts. First, there was the slavery is a choice remark. How in the hell do you, particularly as a black man, justify or at least explain that? Well, like this. Here he is with Joe Rogan in 2020. Uh, they, they told me I was bipolar. And I remember going on TMZ and saying, you know, slavery is a choice. And they medicated me for saying that, for having that opinion and saying it out loud. But as I put those contracts up, I'm saying, this is a choice. As I, you know... I, uh, you didn't mean people being abducted and brought into slavery and put into chains was a choice. What you were talking about is people making decisions that would enslave them financially and enslave their life. Yeah. But it was taken out of context and it was taken in the least charitable way. And they decided to try to say, look at crazy Kanye. Look at this shit he's saying. Yeah. And then they medicate you. Yes. And the media is always taking anything out of context that isn't a part of the overall narrative. And then there's his support for Trump. As West tells it, he was simply trying to show someone who wasn't experiencing a lot of love some, well, love. But listen to how he responds, or rather doesn't respond, when Jimmy Kimmel calls him out on it. Everyone around me tried to pick my candidate for me. Mm -hmm. And then told me every time I said I like Trump that I couldn't say it out loud or... My career would be over. I'd get kicked out the black community because blacks are, we're supposed to have a monolithic thought. We can only like, we can only be Democrats and all. So, um, it, even when I said it right before I went to the hospital and I expressed myself, and when I came out, I had lost my confidence. So I didn't have the, the confidence to take on the world and the possible backlash. And it took me a year and a half to have the confidence to stand up and put on the hat, no matter what the consequences were. And what it represented to me is not about policies, and because I'm, I'm not a politician like that, but it, represent, it represented overcoming fear and doing what you felt, no matter what anyone said, and saying, you can't bully me. Liberals can't bully me. News can't bully me. The hip-hop community, they can't bully me. Because at that point, if I'm afraid to be me, I'm no longer yay. That's what makes yay. And I actually quite, I quite enjoy when people uh, actually are mad at me about certain things. You must like, enjoy it. When I see people just even like go at the president, it's like, why not try love for one person to stand up against all odds? and just hug somebody the way that Alice Johnson hugged her family when she got out of jail. That one by one by one, we can defuse this nuclear bomb of hate that we're in as a society by thinking of everyone as our family. And how would we 
treat our kids? How will we treat I our I think aunties? that's a beautiful thought, but yeah. just in literal terms, yeah. there are families being torn apart at the border of this country. There are, are literally families being torn apart as a result of what this president is doing. And I think that, you know, we cannot forget that, whether we like his personality or or not, the, his actions are really what, what matter. I mean, you so famously and so powerfully said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back. And, and here he is during that same interview when he was asked if there was anything he regretted saying. I think people focus too much on the past and focus too much on regret. And here he is last year talking about the White Lives Matter shirt. You know, at a certain point, it felt like I saw white people wearing shirts that said Black Lives Matter, like they were doing me such a favor by having a T-shirt that reminded me that my life mattered. Like I didn't already know that. So I thought it, I thought I returned the favor and let white people know that, hey, your life matters too. It's sort of like when random people will see the documentary and the documentary was, you know, the third chapter basically was saying, hey, we all love Kanye, but sometimes you got to turn the camera off on him. Meaning like, don't listen to everything. Yes, we know he's a genius, but feel free to put him on mute whenever he doesn't align with what we're telling you. And so sometimes I'll see people at a fashion show and they say, we saw this documentary and they say, are you good? And I'll say, are you good? So it's like black lives matter, white lives matter. And it's just simple as that. West says wearing the red hat sent him to hospital, which brings us to his mental health issues. But first, here's his explanation. And I have to say that my the fact that I wanted to vote on Trump was the thing that sent me to the hospital the most. Because Kim, my wife, would say, you know, that red hat is small dick energy. Uh, a Scooter Braun would say, hey, you know, uh, you're, um, you know, that's going to mess up your career. Uh, Sakaya Sandifer would say, uh, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Uh, Harvey from TMZ would say, just take that hat off. Chris Jenner would say, hey, just take that hat off. So imagine being in an environment where someone as vocal as me is told by every single person around them that they can't say what they believe in and that I was a bad person if I believed something different than all the people in Hollywood. And if you go to the footage of where I'm on stage before I go to the hospital, I say, I would have voted on Trump. And it just felt good to say that after all of Hollywood told me that I couldn't say that. Just like people are trying to tell me I can't have a t-shirt uh, that says, White Lives Matter. I ain't bring nothing to the table when I'm the table. I'ma turn up the music, wake up the neighbors. I'ma get that thug life tatted across the navel. It's how I am in real life, not just okay. Mr. Narcissist, tell me about my arrogance. No more counseling, I don't negotiate with therapists. God, yeah, wanna let God in. But tonight, I guess I'll let my pride win. Cousin Dre sent me scriptures, help me see life better. Nigga, we having the best divorce ever. If we go to court, we'll go to court together. Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to court together. I watch four kids for like five hours a day. I wear these easy boots everywhere, even in the shower today. I got love for the nannies, but real family is better. The cameras watch the kids, I stop taking the credit. Not custodial dad, I bought the house next door. What you think the point of really being rich for? When you give them everything, they only want more. Bougie and a ruler, y'all need to do some chores. Easy! My life was never easy. Kanye West battles with mental health have been well documented, and if any good could come out of it, maybe it's the fact that mental health doesn't discriminate. And also that many creatives have mental health issues. It's what fuels their creativity. 
Now that's not true for all creatives, of course, but it is true for West, who has dubbed his bipolar his, quote, superpower. Here's West speaking about his mental health on Kimmel. Yeah, I think that's another one of those things where people are like, how are you going to talk about it? The funny thing is, this is something I was like on the internet before. It was kind of, it was kind of funny, but by, it's not an opposite. It's not, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. It's actually, it drives more of how you really feel. It doesn't do an opposite thing. So I think it's important for us to have conversations about, you know, open conversations about mental health, uh, especially with me being black, because we never had therapists in the black community. We never approached like taking medication. And I, I think it's good that when I had my first complete blackout at age five, my mom didn't fully medicate me because I might have never been yay. And there's times where mm-hmm. at least I'm happy that I know, like even like for this interview, I knew I wanted to stay in a calm state because by the time I got to TMZ, I was ramped up. So what was awesome is that the world got to really experience someone in a ramped up state. And that's when you get these comments that just shoot out, like almost like Tourette's. Because you, you have highs and lows. And when you have a high, mm-hmm. you're on a roll. And when you have a well, low, you're well, not. Well, there's some cases of bipolar where people go low. I'm, I'm one that uh, goes high, I like, like Michelle Obama said. So like you don't high. have extreme periods of, <laughs> of depression? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Because I just say it. I'll say on real TV, like, oh, I thought about killing myself, and then the thought is gone, you know? That same year, 2018, West told another interviewer that he didn't see therapists. Nah, I I use the world as my therapy, as my my therapist. Anyone I talk to is my therapist. Mm -hmm. I will pull them into the conversation of what I'm feeling at that point and get their perspective. Sometimes they'll be like, damn, I'm talking to Yay. I'm not expecting to talk about this. I'll use it, I'll, you know, I'll talk through things. Mm-hmm. Anybody that I'm around, I, and I'll put that as advice to people. It's like, use people around you mm-hmm. as your therapist. Because they probably know more about you. Like a therapist is like, does a crash course in yay, and then comes and it's like, want to give you, you know, some advice. And I'm not saying that the therapists are bad. I'm just saying that I, I like just talking to acquaintance, friends, family, and, you know, I keep them on the phone, you know, for 45 minutes at a time talking through things. It's like it's, it's kind of narcissistic, you know, <laughs> uh, talk about my problems, using the energy, even like just them being a sounding board and talking through it. I don't want to say crazy because I also want to change the stigma of crazy and I want to change the, the stigma of mental health, period. And. I have not done no extra study on it. Mm-hmm. We at the beginning of it, we at the beginning of the conversation, but best believe I'm going to take the stigma off the, the word crazy. Um, but let's just say for now, people will take something that's enlightened, put it in a different context, and then call it crazy mm-hmm. to try to diminish the impact and the value of what I'm actually saying. And in another interview a year later, he said defiantly, my life does not end with this diagnosis. And I do love the fact that I can show the world that I'm sitting here and have been diagnosed, put on medication, medication to make me fat on purpose. Because after I didn't want to take the meds, they were like, okay, we got this version that don't make you fat. They're trying to kill the superhero. <laughs> so I'm here to show that someone that's diagnosed can still drive and be the founder of a multi-billion dollar organization, can still be in service to Christ, can still be a good husband and a good dad. My life does not end with this diagnosis. No, and I will not no. be stigmatized. I'm gonna say one thing. And discriminated. No, I'm, so, I'm gonna say one thing from, from my perspective. Yeah. I've said this in public, to, yeah. and I've said this in private to many of my friends. Yeah. You know, when I heard the Kids See Ghost Project in particular, yeah. that project, was one of the first things that I'd heard that not only removed the stigma of having mental health issues, but like you said, put a cape on it, mm-hmm. gave it a power. I think where, the men- where people get confused and, and, and align it with mental instability is, is, if I may say, is the distribution of the information. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like when I tweet 100 tweets? Or when you go off and you do it all, in two weeks, 
and everyone sees this flurry of activity and it's like every day there's three things coming at you that you're distributing information wise, then people, I think their natural instincts, if I can speak for people, are to go, is he okay? There seems to be a lot of disruption and instability going on around him in this very short window of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I've never been just okay. I've always been amazing. So they want me to operate in a just okay format. Mm. Listen to West speak at length, which he almost always does, and it's hard to keep up with him. His mind moves in all manner of directions, and he finds it difficult to stay focused. Or at least that's how it seems, even to him. Here he is in one of his earliest interviews, admitting that he goes off, in his words, tangents. I know I'm giving, I've been going off of tangents, but I'm feeling like y'all could just use little clips of that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you're going to word it because you ask me a question. I know I give you a basic answer and then I just go into some other like interesting shit. But. Joe Rogan had a theory though, and I think he was on the money. Take a listen. These, isn't that what yeah. you do though? Like, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I, yeah. when, when anybody ever talks yeah. about you to me, mm. they, they, they say, well, wh- wh- he's all over the place. And I say, I think that he's got a different power source. Like, if you look at the way everybody interfaces with the world, if there's a universal power, most people have like a 20-watt charger. Mm-hmm. The way I describe you, I say, I think that motherfucker's got like a 150-watt charger, mm-hmm. and these ideas are just coming at him. So you do go on these rants that sometimes need to be dissected into individual things, but overall, you're in- incredibly productive. So my question is... Why do you, why do people think there's something wrong with you? Yeah, this well, is but I legitimately like you've been medicated. They've they've put you away, right? They've yeah. brought you me- to med- how did that happen? Well, well, I, I'll say these two things. I think uh, very three dimensionally. I don't think in the black and white lines that I've been programmed to think in, and I and I think in full color. So when I'm talk, I have to describe a thought. In five ways, you know, we we enjoy food that has multiple seasoning in it. We enjoy music that has multiple instruments. So when I talk, it's not a rant; it's a symphony yes. of ideas. And when you collect them, you say, "Oh, these are all these things that connect." Yeah, you know, I I I just tell the truth, and telling the truth is crazy in a world full of lies. And if you needed proof that West couldn't help but go off topic, here he is during that same interview when asked, what did they tell you when they said they were going to put you on medication? One of my favorite things that they did is they put me on this medication that made me uh, gain a lot of weight. And I said, I'm not going to take this. And they said, okay, we got a medication you could take where you won't gain weight. And this shows you they were trying to kill a superhero, slowly trying to kill genius, trying to make me not feel like I could run for president, make me not feel like I can go uh, be born in Atlanta, grow up on the south side of Chicago, go into music, go and win all these Grammys, change the sound of music and the look of stage performances, all that, and then still end up in $53 million of debt. What music industry has people going to the exact debt of the house that they think they're going to buy after the tour is over. And it's, and it's, and strategize. There's criminals all over everyone's almost accounts in the music industry. It's not a safe place. It's a, it's a treacherous place. Notice how he didn't answer the question. He wasn't avoiding it. It just didn't register. I'm up in the woods. I'm down on my mind. I'm building a still. To slow down the time. I just need to clear my mind now. It's been racing since the summertime. Now I'm holding down the summer now. And all I want is what I can't buy now. Cause I ain't got the money on me right now. And I told you to wait. Yeah, I told you to wait. So I'ma need a little more time now. Cause I ain't got the money on me right now And I thought you could wait Yeah, I thought you could wait These bitches surrounding me Oh, want something now, man Then they 
talk about me would be lost without me we could have been somebody thought you'd be different about it now i know you not it so let's get on with it we could have been somebody said you had to tell somebody let's take it back to the first party when you tried your first mile it came out of your Fair to say West has his critics, and many of them aren't just rank-and-file members of the public. I have to say, even my love of his music, well, I should qualify that by saying my love for his music up to and including Life of Pablo, I think he has creatively died since then, even my love for his music has been tempered by what comes out of his mouth of late. But I'm not the only one who has come to think he's a bit of a jackass, or at least I did until I started researching this episode. Even the then President of the United States, Barack Obama, labelled him a jackass after the Taylor Swift stunt, and it cut Kanye deeply. He explains why. See, Obama came to me before he ran for office, and he met with me and my mother to let me know he was going to run for office because I am his favorite artist of all time, because I am the greatest artist of all time. (laughs) It only makes sense. He got good taste. Uh, Yeah, he got his confidence back. (laughs) No, I'm just saying that. It's a flat statement. Uh, Up to this point, you know, after, after me, there will be greater, you know, but this is, this is yay. Like, this is like, past anything that's happened up to this point. This is the best. Even the Michael Jackson, Prince, Stevie Wonder, whoever else you want to throw out there. Because I throw out there, I throw Howard Hughes in there. I throw uh, Henry Ford, Mm -hmm. I throw Walt Disney, I throw Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs in there also. So you can't say it's a lie because something like that is a matter of opinion. Yeah, and they- they, It's a barbershop debate. They're right. It's not even a debate, it's just the truth. Yeah, it's man, when you when you when you're the greatest, it's funny, man. You know what I mean? Like Ali lived a great life. You gotta know who you are. You Absolutely. Know? You gotta know who you are. Um so Obama, it's like, yeah, he's like my favorite artist. I want your support. I'm running for office. I'm like, oh, this is dope. You know, we're gonna get a black president. Stu's Matt Coos from you know, Chicago. Then when I went on stage, and it would have been good if this video didn't get out, but you saw the video. We called you a jackass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he never called me to apologize. Just the, the same person that sat down with me and my mom, I think should have communicated to me directly and been like, yo, yay. This is just a joke. I felt a way a little bit about Obama that I'm your favorite artist. You play Touch the Sky at your inauguration. And now all of a sudden, Kendrick and Jay and all these, all the people you invite to the White House, like now, these are your favorite rappers now. And I, I ain't got no problem with these rappers, but you know I'm your favorite. But I'm not safe. Mm. But that's why you love me. So just tell me you love me. That's all, and tell the world you love me. Don't tell the world I'm a jackass. I'm fighting hard enough. While West is probably missing from Obama's Christmas card list, he is definitely missing from Jay-Z's. And again, the rift hurts West. Interestingly though, although he's hurt, he doesn't do anything to try and repair the damage. You know, we, we tweeting, I mean, we texting each other as positive energy. Have y'all seen each other? Uh, I haven't seen him, but I, I can feel him. Or, you know, 
what keeps what keeps brothers like y'all from just yo come to the house, man. Let's have a meal. Let's 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 sit down and talk face to face, eye to eye. Because every time I you know see him doing an interview, whether it's with David Letterman or whoever, he's saying that's that's my brother. Like I love him. Like so, what, what stops y'all from just face to face communication? We'll do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes also like when you have like such similar personalities and people are, you know, creating their own existence in their own world and their own simulation or whatever, you know, they need to do it on their own. Jay, Jay said you, you went too far talking about his family. Do you, do you feel that? You feel like you went too far? Well, it depends on how you look at it. If we're family, if we're brothers, and we are family, then it's, your family too. Then it's my family. Mm-hmm. If we're business associates and this, then it was too far. Gotcha. You know, re- re- respectfully, you know. Um, you know, I got to say, you know, I, I was hurt about, I, I was hurt about them not coming to the wedding. Mm-hmm. I understand they was going through some things, but if it's family, you know, you're not gonna miss a wedding. Um, That's interesting about the wedding. Did 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 they not come? Because you know, in the press, it was uh, Beyonce has a problem with Kim, or you know, they don't like all the Kardashian reality show type thing. Or, or maybe now, in hindsight, maybe it was because they had their own issues that they was trying to work out. What do you, what do you think it was? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm past it. But at the time, I was heard about it. Did you ask them? I don't think I ever asked him that question directly. But it isn't just what West says or what hat he wears that lands him into trouble. Even the videos he makes can be questionable at times. Exhibit A would be the one that he made for Bound 2, which at best objectifies women, at worst shows him having sex, he's fully clothed, she's not, on a motorbike. I mean, what the fuck? Not all of them. Outcast has good videos yeah, too. Yeah, Outcast does. You're right. You're right. My bad. I'm sorry. But what about um, how how involved are you in the process of thinking of concepts for your videos? I come up with the whole concept. Yeah. Yeah, and then like, I know like on this all falls down video, it was directed by Chris Milk. I came up with the concept of being first person in, and then he went in and thought of extra things on the treatment, like going through the X-ray machine to just bring the video to the next level. So we, me and Chris Milk collaborated on that. And right now I'm working on Jesus Walks and I got a concept, right? But I go out to all these directors and nobody wants to do my concept. What? So like... Can you tell us what your concept is? I don't want to give it away. Okay. But I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do for this Jesus Walks video. I'm, I'm going through this problem right now. Like I went to about seven of my favorite directors. They say, well, I like that, but uh, how about you do this? And I'm like, uh, no, how about I do what I want to do? And here he is being subjected to a full court press on the Bound 2 video on America's The Breakfast Club in 2013. Let's talk about the Bound 2 video then. That was a terrible video. And you know that, yeah. You're not going to sit here and tell me you look at the Bound 2 video. You got to explain that video to us a little bit. Now, you talk about that video. Now, here go to BS industry stuff. The label reps like, no, wrap it up. Now, he said 10 minutes. But um, let's talk about the video. Like, you know. Talk about Bound 2 video before we, we, we discuss it. What, what was your mind frame of Bound 2 and what did you want the people to get out of it? What was the treatment for that video? Oh, I wanted to take white trash t-shirts and make it into a video. So you wanted it to look bad? Yes. I wanted it to look okay. as phony as possible. I wanted the clouds to go one direction, the mountains to go in the direction, to want the horses to go over there, because I want to show you that this is the Hunger Games. I want to show you that this is the type of imagery that's being presented to all of us, and the only difference is a black dude in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, You know, you should have <laughs> removed yourself from that circus and put Jay Farrow in there and had the other <laughs> chick that plays Kim on SNL, so it looks like it was a comedy sketch. That would have yeah. been dope. Yeah, that could be cool, but I'm like Marina Abramovich. This is like performance art. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I ain't got a problem with looking stupid. Well, well, so, so, well, 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 so, so, that's a song for mine. Boozing, kind Like the rain is spring, take the chlorine out of conversation. Let 
through us Jesus, heal the bruises Jesus, clean the music Jesus, please use us Jesus, please help Jesus, please heal Jesus, please forgive Jesus, please reveal Jesus, give us strength Jesus, make us well Jesus, help us live Jesus, give us wealth Jesus, is our safe Jesus, is our rock Jesus, give us grace Jesus, keep us safe Clean us like the rain in spring Take the chlorine out of conversation Let your light reflect on me I promise I'm not hiding anything It's water So I guess the question is, does West give a shit? Does he care what we'll say, what we'll think? Well, I think he does. I think he wants to be loved, but he isn't prepared to do what it takes to fulfil that ambition. He refuses to be filtered. And that's his prerogative. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. I want to perform only one as many times as possible. You know, I could be vilified or misunderstood and you know like I said I didn't I didn't come here to be liked I came here to make a difference you know not particularly just this interview I'm talking about life life you know some people's job they're very extremely likable and you know I think I could figure that out I think I'm way nicer to people just in general Mm -hmm. everyone that I meet I'm extremely nice but as soon as people start playing games I stop I don't believe him I agree he came here to make a difference, but I also think he wants to be liked, as I said. He just doesn't understand why people object to his more, on face value at least, objectionable comments. I mean, slavery is a choice. Come on, you simply can't say that. It doesn't matter if you're taken out of context. You just can't put those four words together and think that no one will take you to task for it. West preaches love. He says he is only coming from a place of love, even for Trump. But I'm not sure the world wants to hear the love that he's espousing. Kimmel put him up on that, and when he did, West went silent. He didn't have the answer. In other words, West speaks first, thinks later. And the problem is, when he thinks later, he's too stubborn to admit that he's wrong. That's Kanye West in all his imperfections and flaws. But he's not alone in that regard. We are all deeply flawed because we're human. And Kanye West is very human. But West is also different from many of us, and this often gets overlooked. Kanye West is someone who rose from the suburbs of Chicago and conquered the music world. And when he did that, he conquered the sneakers world. He hasn't conquered the fashion world yet, but he hasn't given up. In other words, Kanye West has achieved almost everything that he set out to achieve, and not many people get to say that. And he's only 45. I want to end with a quote that would make his mother proud. Way back in 2002, he said, quote, I'm trying to get to the point where I can drop my last name off my name, end quote. Well, he's done that, and he's even gone further. He's dropped a cunt off Kanye. He is simply yay, and yay know who that is when you hear it. Yay is a brand now. He is superhuman. He is in another stratosphere to the rest of us. I get the feeling it is lonely up there, and that is something that he's grappling with. He needs his mother, but she's gone. Kanye West is lost and alone. He doesn't need our scorn. He needs our sympathy. Shit could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. Shit could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. Tweaking, tweaking off that 2CB, huh? Is he gonna make it TBD, huh? Thought I was gonna run, DMC, huh? I done died and lived again on DMT, huh? See, this the type of high that won't come down. This the type of high that get you gone.
gun down. Easy, easy trolling OD, huh? Turn TMZ to smack DVD, huh? Russell Simmons wanna pray for me too. I'ma pray for him cause he got me too. Thinking what if that happened to me too? Then I'm on E News. Shit could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. Shit could get menacing, frightening. Ask your whole girl right now. Look, you had a Sometimes shot at Yay. I scare myself. Tweaking, tweaking out that 2CB, huh? This is why your bitches fuck with me, huh? Smash, she gon' end up on TV, huh? Last thing that you ever wanna see, huh? I can feel the spirits all around me. If you want to hear a Kanye West mixtape, check out my other podcast, Song Sung New. There's one there from late last year. Now, I'm not sure if Kanye would like it, but I think if you've come this far, well, you just might. It can be our little secret. Song Sung New. Check it out. You see? You see? That's what I'm talking about. That's why I fuck with Ye. See, that's my third part. That's my bipolar shit, nigga. What? That's my superpower, nigga. Ain't no disability. I'm a superhero. I'm a superhero. <laughs>